You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Happy nine o'clock on motherfucking Wednesday. It's motherfucking Wednesday at nine o'clock on Eastern. Oh my God, you have nine a man o'clock on bun. Eastern. Yeah, shut up. You have a man bun. That's a worse crime. Um, you haven't seen my my quarantine bangs. No, there's yeah. a there's a ensemble track in Wicked whose wig has a a palm tree like that. Uh, so anyway, I'm just gonna pretend like you're cosplaying at Broadway Con. I still love you though. Are you well? Uh, I miss you. I am I am so well, except for the fact that my bangs, I'm bringing back 90s bangs and not in a good way. And I have nothing to do with this mop up here. Listen, I went through a one single year of being a born again Christian in high school. And I love you. I forgive you. I'm praying for you. Hello, motherfuckers. Thank you for tuning in. This is like uh, probably one of the scariest nights of my life. Um, a strange loop is... Uh, possibly the best theatrical experience I've ever had. It's also one of the few shows that I listen to like thrice a week. I remember um, you posting about it a long time ago. Yeah, because I was like, does everybody know about this? You have to. You have to listen to it now. I don't even care if you like show tunes. This is not like a <laughs> – this is a – like a, an experience. This is a piece. Like this isn't just, you know, your favorite movie live on. It, it isn't Cocoon the Musical, which I would love to be in. By the way, um, I'd be great as the Walter Brimley guy. My audition could be like, I'm Walter Brimley and I have diabetes, and this is why I have a cocoon. Anyway, I'm getting carried away. But um, I just want to say, uh, what's up to the Patreon folk? We had the most kick-ass Zoom party. Yesterday, it was so much fun. And, um, Alan, I don't really get a lot of fan mail, which is fine because I'm not like famous or anything. But in fan art, I sometimes get, but check out this emoji land fan art fan mail. It is a prince mask. What? And being that, uh, the prince YouTube channel is actually going to let us watch a prince concert, I think starting tomorrow. Uh, for a few days, so fucking get into it. I'm going to be rocking this inside. Uh, Nisa, I think that's how you say it, or Nisa. It's, it's you know, things are complicated right now, and my brain can only handle so much, but thank you for this. It's the best thing in the world. And, um, yeah, you know what? But before, like, I, I waste too much time, um, listen, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world to me. Um, we are going to be taking a little hiatus until after Memorial Day after this, but this show is going to be so fucking epic. You're going to feel fulfilled. And you could also just go back to www.bpn.fm slash JSB to listen to all the other old episodes and good news. We're going to start making new episodes for Josh Swallow's Broadway season two. Thank you again to our Patreons for helping 
make that possible. You can check us. You can check us out. It's not, it's not live. Do it again. Oh, shut up. You, uh, yeah, seriously. Uh, you're fired. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I love you. You're my brother. You can check us out at patreon.com slash Josh Swallows Broadway. But in the meantime, um, I give you Raja Feather Kelly, Stephen Brackett, and Michael R. Jackson. Hi. Hi, friends. Hi. I literally paused as if there was like audience applause. Like that's where I'm at in quarantine. Like the old woman in Requiem for a Dream <laughs> that just wanted to fit in the red dress. Um, that's where I'm at. Thank you all so fucking much for coming on to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you for Thanks having us. Um, I'm obsessed with all of you. Uh Many, you know, for, for very different reasons. Like, Stephen, you gave us buyer and seller, first of all, um, which was another one of those theater experiences where I was like, how do you know, like, my soul? How do you know what I find funny? How do you know why I moved to New York and what kind of theater excites me? And Raja, you and I have a beautiful obsession with Andy Warhol. And your <gasps> dance company... Is so exciting and so incredible. And just because, like, I found out that you do telethons in your home for your dance, <laughs> like, that's fucking incredible. So, um, and then Michael, um, you you've been writing for a long time. You have some incredible Adam albums. Um, I was listening to Dirty Laundry today and fell in love. And uh then you gave us a strange loop and somehow the universe, like the miracle of fucking Hanukkah brought you three together. <laughs> no, I'm going to add an extra candle to the menorah. The this candle, say the blessing, tell the age old story. Maccabeans went to battle. Now we sing their glory. I had to sing that as a child in children's theater. Really? I did. <laughs> My mother's going to text me and be like, is he a nice Jewish boy? This is wonderful for you. And she doesn't talk like that. It's just the only way to explain her. Just tell her I said, hello, gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's like the princess of tides. It's neither the princess nor tides. Discuss. <laughs> That's from the 94 concert album. Uh, well, when, when did you start writing A Strange Loop? Well, technically, it started as a monologue that I began writing in 2001. It was called something else different then, but it was like the sort of seed of the piece. Um, it sort of became a strange loop, as you know it, when Stephen and I did a reading of it in 2012. Wow. Okay. Because one of my favorite ways that you've described it is that it's about a musical theater writer uh, that's an usher that's writing a show about his life. That's like about a musical theater writer who's writing a show about his life. That's about a, you know, um, how much of this was, is based on your story? Well, like I sort of try to just describe the piece as self-referential as opposed to autobiographical, which is to say that like I did draw from my own experience but it's more emotionally autobiographical than than factual. There are things that, like, in the show did, that, like, I have experienced. Like, 
I did work as an usher at a Broadway show. I did I did have parents that I had like crazy up and down things with. I did go to Inwood to be had sex with a terrible white man. But like I also fictionalized a lot of the events are inside of that. Yeah. And but like I felt every every emotion that's in that piece I have felt. Yeah, well, you could tell that it was something that all of you in one way or another in your own ways and own journeys have felt. Um, You know, it was one of those shows that just, you know, at first when the show started, I remember being that guy that was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fat too, I get this. And then being like, oh, no, bitch. Oh, no. Oh, no, you don't get this. You just shut up and watch. And, um, you know, and that was like the first three minutes. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, no, you don't know anything. And, um, you know, I have a deep appreciation for telling, you know, like, I feel like the world can be very terrible and very hard and very cruel. And for me, humor has always been that antidote. And I've always felt like you have to make fun of some of the most horrible things just to sometimes get a point across. There's nothing funnier than unhappiness. Yeah, sometimes. Chekhov. But the th- oh, really? Is that Chekhov? Mm-hmm. I, I dropped so. out of school. So it's either Chekhov or Beckett, but I think it's Chekhov. Okay, well, I'm glad or that you're not. Maybe totally it's a third cool. option. Or it might be a th- third option, but I think it's the, one of the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's probably uh, on screen. Wait, yeah. is it check wait, is it Chekhov? Or is it someone else? Okay. Michael Musto, it's maybe. Musto. Who knows? Um and Raja, something that I love about your work is how much you put queerness into it. Oh, wait, are you frozen or are you posing? I can't tell. Oh, wait, there you are. Um, yeah. Me? Yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Okay, good. Um, something like, um, I love how much you put queer culture into your work as a dancer. How long is that? Was that always how you felt as an artist when you created dancing? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I I certainly feel that once I started creating dance and theater and media, that it was, it was certainly an outlet for me to express my queerness because it was outside of me. So in some ways, I think when I was younger, it was like, this has nothing to do with me. This is my work. And then as I got older, it was, it, it, it was how I identified me and my work are, are the same. So how did the three of you meet? Um, so I met Stephen through a recommendation from a director friend who Stephen had worked with because he had directed, her name is Emma Griffin, and she had directed some concerts and another musical that I had written. And then I had another concert coming up and she wasn't available. And so she recommended Stephen and then Stephen directed that concert and another one. And I think one or both of those concerts had some material in it that would later be, that was kind of in a strange loop as it was developing. And so then when it came time to 
do the reading in 2012 of The Strange Loop, just the book of it, I think. No, we did some of the music. And then I, I called Steven back, and then he sort of, that's how I got back hooked up with him again. And then we met Raja through, like, when we knew that the show was moving toward Clarence Horizons, we, we were asking various people for recommendations, and Raja's name just, like, kept coming up. And so we just set a meeting. And I, we invited Raja to uh, one oh, yes, of that's meetings, right. right? And so, like, literally everybody that we admired was like, it's Raja. You guys are looking for Raja. That's the person yeah, yeah. who should be. Yeah, I was, um, like, in a, I was in a car in the middle of the Berkshires with Lila Neugebauer. And she was like, you must work with Raja for the killing. <laughs> <laughs> I love my <laughs> Well, I remember one- coming to see the Joe's Pub show. My friend Cheo was like, you have to see this. And then I remember like wanting to in- introduce myself to both of you then. And both of you were like, oh, we know you. <laughs> wait, so was that, that, so that was, wait, that was before the, oh, I guess I hadn't met you. I guess I hadn't met you by then. Yeah, yeah, that was before, that was before the, that reading that you had invited yeah. me to, but it was, it was Joe's Pub. Where I, where and it, you weren't doing a strange loop at Joe's right. Pub. You were it was doing, doing my other my girl in danger. My girl in danger, and and my friend Cheo was like, "Go and see it." And then I saw it, and I introduced myself to you both. And, uh, yeah. and I remember when Raja came to the reading. I thought I thought he was like one of the Illuminati or something because they were like, "Raja has to leave at like this exact time, and a car will be waiting for him on the street." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like. <laughs> Like, how important this person is. It, like, must lead at the strike of midnight (laughs) to get in his car to to wherever it was he was going. And then you realize he ain't none but a Negro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. No, nothing better. It was a very very important other situation I had to get to. No, I have no doubt, but I just remember being like, wow. That's wow! I really want to work with him now because he's he's, he's got really the heart. <laughs> but then we had we had like a meeting at like Treehouse underneath Treehouse Treehouse Oh Treehouse Treehouse tree 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 God bless. Wait, yeah. will there be Treehouse on the other side of this? No, Treehouse tree closed the before it, this. Oh, it closed. Yeah, before this. Oh, I didn't. Like right before? Yeah, I right before this, I was hosting my university showcase, which is ironic because I dropped out. And in the script, there was a section about me talking about moving here after I graduated. And I was like, bitch, did you do your research? I, like, I'm not an alumni. Just pay me. But um, no, I walked down there for lunch and it was closed. Damn. Yeah. And um. But speaking of, of, you know, after all this, and um, this does tie into a strange loop, so please bear with me. Um, I think all of us are very intuitive, and we knew that yesterday was coming, and we knew that it was coming far before it came. But it's one thing to know that the community was shutting down, and, you know, in at least until September 6th, but it's another thing to see it in the New York Times. 
and, you know, the Hollywood Reporter, and it really hit me very hard yesterday. And um, there's this uh, really incredible fellow named Joshua Harris who um, is on the show's Patreon, and I had a Zoom thing with him, and it turns out that he runs a community theater in Sherman, Texas, called Sherman Community Players. And we, on our Zoom thing, he was there with his fiance at his theater. And he was, you know, pretty much crying, saying, you know, Broadway shutting down was made him feel like his dreams shut down, like everything that he loved in life shut down. And then I started crying because he was there in a theater, you know, and that's where our dreams began. You know, and it actually gave me hope. And um, then I started looking into the Woolly Mammoth where uh, where your show is going next. After all this bullshit, whenever that is. And um, I started crying again, you know, because like my friends at home, it's not just Broadway. Everywhere, all these incredible regional theaters one of my favorites, the Arden in Philadelphia, like where, you know, I'm no fucking Meryl, but Meryl's not Meryl. Meryl doesn't exist. Like Meryl's not even Meryl. She's unattainable. But, um, you know, that's where I started. But the Woolly Mammoth, and I read this, um, they're doing this thing right now um, called Hashtag Play at Home. And the synopsis is, in partnership with Baltimore Center Stage, Long Wharf Theater, the Public Theater, and the Repertory Theater of St. Louis, we have commissioned dozens of short plays to ignite imagination and joy during this time of isolation. All plays are original, mostly family-friendly, and ready to be downloaded and enjoyed by you. So go ahead and play at home. I am being paid to say that, but like, it, it also like brought me to what a strange loop. Yeah, and I wrote one of those plays. Did you really? I did. They commissioned me to write one of those plays. What is it one called? Of, it's called Trees on Broadway. <laughs> it's about a tree that wants tree to house. be on. It's wow. about a tree that wants to be on Broadway. Okay. I'm my wow. like my story is more about a shrub that wanted to be on Broadway. Yeah, it's a tree, little nasally shrub. It's um the the tree's name is Oak, but it's auditioning for the part of Treely O'Hara. <laughs> it's so dumb it's like the dumbest thing i've ever written in my life but someone did it they emailed me wow. they like recorded it for like their group or their community theater or i don't know what it is they said i haven't watched the recording yet but i thought like oh how nice that like someone like did my stupid little eight minute play wow i and, like that and, I, and so it's... like this thing like something came of it you know what i mean like I don't know. I was very moved by that. You know, I think nothing we do is stupid. You'll see things and like, I'll, I'll admit, I'll see things and I'll be like, yeah, that was not my thing. But this and that was spectacular or so-and-so like, I will never forget that performance or right. yeah, the I staging can, I, of that was yeah. brilliant. You know, I can't wait to watch it. Like, because it just, it was something I wrote very quickly for a very specific purpose, not for like, you know, my own artist, super art, artistic edification. And yet it like gave some group of people somewhere 
some comfort or entertainment yeah. or you know what I mean yeah. something to do and and I th- and I think yeah and I just think it's it's easy to forget that like theater can be just that basic just like playing dress up or whatever at home with your family and not like so I have to say like that shaped a lot of how I think about have been thinking about the shutdown because like while you know I it is like hard to think about like the our big commercial broadway being shut down or whatever it's also like there there's probably going to be certain states where small theaters can do limited things you know like we're all going to be relearning how to do theater again yeah and i feel like there's something sort of really powerful and instructive about that um i also have a new like uh respect for what we do like and it's I'm almost ashamed to say how much I took it for granted until now, you know, when you really go, oh, no, wait, what we do is important. Um, like, in example, for me, being a bigger person, I know what it's like having bigger people come up to me and be like, it means a lot to see myself on stage. However, a strange loop took it to a new level of representation. That had not been seen before. And that needs to be seen again and a fucking again and a fucking again. What was it like for you three to have people finally feeling like they're being seen? Um, For me, it was like really validating, affirming, um, and, and... You know, it felt like sort of the part, the, my part of the my mission statement had been um, accomplished. You know, because part of the reason why I wrote the show in the first place was just because I always felt like when I would either see no representation of my of anything I sort of understood as a black person or a gay person or like or or then that would turn into, I'd see some representation of the gay aspect of me and it would be white or some some expression of the black part of me and it would be straight. Or then it would become a black and gay expression, but it never matched, you know, like I'm not like a, an Instagram thirst trap anymore. I used to be, but I'm not anymore. Like I felt a lot of the. (laughs) I've been having a going out of business sale for years. Right. I never, I never saw like what is it like to be like a fat black gay man, like living in like white gay horrorville, you know? Like, and so I wanted to 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 express all of the the feeling, what that feels like, to try to capture that. And so when I saw people, or even to this day when people email me and they're like, thank you for that specific, those images, it feels good because I feel like I reach people who are not used to being reached. Yeah, the, your line, uh, oh, forgive me if I bastardize it, but it's a white male indifference crossed with fetishization. Mm-hmm. Is that it? That's a word on today. I mean, that struck <laughs> me. That, that you know, that really, like, affected me deeply. And when I watched the show. Um, and plus, Antoine, um, 
all those people in the show. Elle Morgan and I went to college together. Oh, you are. Yeah, we went to the, we were in the worst production of Weird Romance, but <laughs> she was fabulous. But anyway, I want to keep the round circle going because you're all so brilliant. Stephen, what was it like for you? Um, it, it was really rewarding to finally see that show on stage. I mean, um, Michael has had a huge long history of writing this piece. And then, um, you know, myself and a, a bunch of other collaborators came on and there were seven years of development that went into that show. And for a long time, Michael and I privately and sometimes together shared our frustrations that we felt like it wasn't going to get produced, right? And that it was too dangerous, that it was too much itself to um, uh, get on stage. But we had uh, a passion for the show and seeing it on a stage like Playwrights Horizons with page 73, but also to see um audiences of all different walks of life come to the show and find a thread of the humanity and the human existence that they could hold on to and be moved by and be challenged by but also let that challenge draw them further into the piece that was rewarding right yeah, that was um, like the best part for sure, for sure. I mean, Raja and I had like a pact on day one that we were like, we just can't fuck this up, right? You know, like we like <laughs> we care so deeply oh, about Michael, we care so deeply about the project. We just constantly look to each other and we're like, are we fucking this up or is this or is this okay? <laughs> right? Because we felt like and and you know, I feel I feel some shred of that responsibility to to every project that I work on, but it felt like deeply in every single bit of my body and my DNA that I would never forgive myself if we fumbled this one. And yeah. um uh so I think we <laughs> collectively like um like br- uh, shared a breath of like relief uh, after the first preview where we're like, okay, something is happening here. Something is in the alchemy. Something is in the DNA. Um, and then just continued to kind of make it as strong as it possibly could be. So seeing those audiences respond to the show and respond to Michael has been the greatest highlight of my career. Yeah. Well, um, also, and for you and uh, for Raja, you know, because all the characters are thoughts inside of Usher, watching how you staged it with them seamlessly moving through his life and morphing into not just a thought, but a real fleshed out person from the doctor, even though it's this hilarious fucking, you know scene and uh, the person on the subway to just coming back into being thoughts. And then uh, you can, my friends at home, you can see, uh, we want to know, I believe that's what it's called. Yeah. I don't want to fuck it up. Um, You can watch it on YouTube and it's so fun where all the thoughts are being Usher's mother. And um, it's very powerful, Um, especially because you have to get the album it's perfect. And when you get to periodically, oh my fucking fucking God. 
if you're a musical theater nerd like I am, you're going to listen to it on repeat for 97 years and then perform it in your living room for your cats. <laughs> and they're going to be like, this is racially insensitive. And you're gonna be like, it is. But I'm adopted, so I can't tell you if I'm not <laughs> So maybe you're being insensitive. Anyway. Um, Raja, what about for you? You know, I think that for me, what sits with me is really the cast. I, I felt that I oh, really yes. wanted to and 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 needed to, and my my allegiance needed to be with the ensemble from from the day that I met them, and feeling like I needed to be both a conduit from Stephen and Michael and the world through them and myself through them. And I think I had a practice of trying to be as queer and as black as possible and with them and in front of them and to them so is that that's what they could be on stage and actually get to know them who they are so is that I can turn up the volume of that on stage so that it is imperceptible what is between staging and choreography and their blackness and queerness and, and, and that I think turned into like really, really beautiful friendships, learning more about Michael and getting to know Michael more, learning more about Steven and getting to know Steven more and catching up with their process of making this show and then connecting that with the, with, with the, the different processes that some of the cast members have gone through, like just a total allegiance to the, the, I think is really what hits home for me. For, for making it worthwhile and being able to offer them something that could turn them onto their hundred percentness um, uh, is is when I when I see the audience and feel that the audience connects, I feel like it's because everyone can see some part of themselves through the ensemble, um, and I and I certainly feel that way as well. Yeah, and so that becomes my. Yeah, we we wanted the show to be um, a celebration of every single body that's on that stage, right? We started this process with the great gift of loving our cast and knowing them fairly well um, uh, from the first day of rehearsal. And so that was definitely, I think, at the center of all of our processes is wanting to make sure that everybody was seen in the fullest way that we could possibly um, uh, showcase them on that stage. It was really remarkable. And, um, you know, with Al Morgan, and I and I don't feel like I'm talking out of place here, um, you know, Al Morgan is a openly trans actress, and it is the first time I've seen a show where someone who is trans is just a woman. It's not a trans woman. It's she is a woman being a woman, being anything, being everything. And that to me is fucking theater. And, um, that, you know, to me, theater is so important in the sense of, uh, when you take the subject and you move it forward, like, Carolina changed did that to me back in 2000, whatever. 
And, you know, no offense to Avenue Q, which I loved, but I was like, you did not take the art form and move it, move, move it to a new level. Um, like uh, Tony Kushner and Janine DeSori did. And um, I feel like with a strange loop, you really took the art form and moved it to a new position. And um, you can tell that, I mean, awards are lovely and, you know, I know that they don't tuck us in at night, but I mean, my awards are the only thing that are keeping me going these days. You have all these nominations, which is so exciting. I mean, uh, I, I wrote them down. You know, Roger, you have an Outer Critics Nom and a Lucille Lortel nomination. I'm so happy for you. It's really, it's, you know, I, I didn't actually think it would, it would mean anything. <laughs> and I didn't care. But I will say, I, I think the thing that really stands out for me is being with the list of people who were there. Like, I really respect, like, Camille. Like, mm -hmm. Camille Brown, I, I just think is wonderful. I mean, I, I love Sonia. I love Travis. So, like, being being in a list with these people who are doing work that I feel is, like, like just different, just different and on a different and on another level than, than what I do feels exciting that Perhaps there are a group of people who are seeing what I feel like is my very nuanced work in the same light as as their as their work. Yeah, really. Um, and uh, Stephen, the Lucille Ortel, the Drama Desk, the Outer Critics nominations. What are you single? <laughs> what I like glasses too. <laughs> I have a hat somewhere. What? I know. I'm, I'm in this hat constantly because I'm terrified of what's happening underneath. Hey, same here. Same More here. Him, same. Um, um, uh, yeah, it's been a really, I mean, I think it feels especially beautiful given what we're going through right now to feel some sense of being connected to our community, which we're missing so dearly, right? Um, that has been a really affirming thing for me. And I felt um, uh, certainly um, celebrating with Michael, his, his <laughs> has been... Oh, we're getting there, yeah. I know we're, I know we're getting there, but that has been like, <laughs> the, like the highlight of this, like... Um, of the past two months for me, right? Like that, that has made me feel more alive and more connected to my community, which I'm missing terribly than, than I have felt in a long, long, long time. Um, uh, so I, I'm grateful for that right now. And I'm also grateful for the season that, that Off-Broadway had in terms of new musical theater um, uh, to be recognized with all that's happening Off-Broadway that's really representing a shift and a, and a, um, uh, a, a kind of united sort of pushing at the DNA of what makes a musical, right? It feels exciting to be um, amidst all these other artists that are really pushing at the form. Um, uh, and um, yeah, I'm, 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 I, I'm grateful to be um, part of the recognition of that, that kind of, I think, um, momentous year. Fuck yeah. And fuck yeah about off Broadway. Um, you know, like, 
I've heard so many producers go like, oh, there's no money off Broadway. And you know what? Yeah, that's true. But, you know, this is where we create and this is where we can take risks. And um, it really does pay off. And it's so important. And now, Michael, I know that this was a tough award season for you. Um, I know people just fucking did not respond to you except the Lucille Lortel, the drama desk and the outer critics. And then the Pulitzer, the fucking Pulitzer and, uh, you know, and the drama critic circle as well. (laughs) Forgive me, Bat. Forgive me. Forgive this lonely Jewish man in Queens. Um, So, I mean, what, just humor me. What is it like? Like, how, how is, how does it go down? Do you know that you're even nominated? Do they show up like seamless? Do they just go, oh, hey, guess what? You have a Pulitzer. So the only thing with the Pulitzer that I knew was that Players Horizons had like submitted it for consideration like months ago. Um, And... But beyond that, like it just goes into a void, and there's there's nothing you can do or to influence it or anything. Um, and it's and I I believe that it's after the show is closed. So they unless the people who judged it or whatever happen to see it, they wouldn't have seen it because so they're primarily just going off of like reading it and listening to it. If there's wow, an I wish all awards were like that somehow. Right. Um, And so then I knew that the announcement was coming. They were going to announce whoever won it. And I thought, like, at best, I might, maybe I would get shortlisted, maybe. But I thought there was no way. I was like, there's just absolutely, as well as the show did, you know, and and the nice write-ups and all that stuff. I was like, there's just no possible way that, that this sort of, this something of this sort of cultural cachet, significance, whatever you want to call it, was going to, like, pick my little black gay musical, black queer musical, and, like, give it, like, this award. And so I was actually on the phone with Brandon Jacobs Jenkins, who was just distracting me from watching it, the announcement, and we were talking about Real Housewives of Atlanta, which he doesn't watch. (laughs) but he wanted to know why I watched it. So I was in the middle of explaining that to him when he, who unbeknownst to me, was watching the announcement. And he told me that I won it. What did you do? I was like, what? And he was like, you won the Pulitzer. And I was, and then that's, in that moment, my phone began like crazily (laughs) buzzing. And like, it was just like, never, I never had that experience ever of like, that many people texting me. When your phone actually like melts, it just starts fucking melting. Yeah. So it was that and people were calling. It was just like a lot going on, (laughs) like all at once. Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I want to know like what happens now? Like, do you start shitting unicorns? Do you like, do all dreams come true? Is it like, do you stop crying? (laughs) Well, I think I got my crying done like early, early on. So <laughs> no more tears for me, hopefully. But okay, like good. I um well, but I always I always like to try to bring it down to earth for people because it's like on Monday 
I'm like, I win the Pulitzer, but then on Tuesday I'm fighting with my landlord. So like, it's always, for me, it's always like, it's always like that sort of thing, you know, because I don't have gas in my building right now and I haven't had it for a year. So like I have heat, but I don't have a working stove. And so I've been dependent upon a hot plate for almost a year. And so I finally, it took a global pandemic for me to put my foot down and say, hey, landlord, I'm not giving you any more money until you make Con Edison come to this building and turn our gas on. Except. (laughs) Because at this point, I now have to rely on this hot plate, whereas before... I was just eating out all the time. Yeah. I did not tell him that I won a Pulitzer. But like you just to get, You should have. Well, he no. probably would have just been like, what is that? Which is exactly what my mother said. And then and you no, no. Well, but yeah, but then she 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 got she she picked up very quickly and now she's like telling everyone in the entire universe about her child. But um but like that it's like feast and famine, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But you should also you should wear it on a necklace. Oh yeah, that that would be or like maybe I should get a tramp stamp. Yeah, Um, (laughs) necklace. (laughs) You could also make it into a stamp or a face or a face tattoo. Maybe a hat. A hat. hat. Does anyone still wear a hat? hat? If it's a fucking Pulitzer, they do. Does anyone still wear? A Pulitzer. I have a friend who has their Tony Award in a bookshelf, like hidden behind things. And every time I come over, I take it out and I put it on the microwave and try to attach it to the door like a fucking mezuzah. And I'm like, no, I was going to kiss it. I was saying that, like, if I ever won a Tony, I would probably keep the Tony in the closet. But the Pulitzer, I would make them kiss it like a mezuzah. Exactly. (laughs) And, like, we're in an industry filled with monsters who usually always hate everything that we do. So on the miracle Uh, of Monica, when they happen to like us, I'm going to make them fucking kiss it. My Lyft driver, too. COVID or not. Kiss it. It's a miracle, Judy. <laughs> oh my God, we could do a four-person falsettos. Raja, your tattoos. I'm living. I'm liking. <laughs> so there's they're so like visual on this on your on your screen. They're like I feel like I'm seeing them for the first time. <laughs> 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 I'm like, like what's happening to me? I'm like I like, like I don't have. Gypsy. A- you're like, I'm there a pretty are. girl. You're like, Gypsy. I'm a pretty girl, mama. <laughs> Does this make Stephen Herbie or Rose? They're everywhere. I think that maybe Stephen is like June. Kuhn? June. Dainty, Dainty oh, June. June. I was Dainty like, June. Judy Kuhn? No, we love Judy well, Kuhn. Yeah, but like we a- do. Judy Kuhn yeah. as June. Yeah. <laughs> It's good casting. That was the butchest face I've ever seen you make, Stephen. Was the what? Butch's face. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so much. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Listen, no homo or anything, but my wife has the vid and she's in quarantine, and I've got five hundred dollars to Venmo someone. 
Um, now, careful. Listen, I can't further anyone's career here, so don't try to me to anything here. I can't do anything for you. Now, listen, Wooly Mammoth, I'm so fucking excited. Uh, tell me, like, are you, you're bringing it down there to develop it further and to show it to the world and to that incredible community in D.C. Uh, tell me a little bit about this journey. I know everything's sort of on pause right now, but I know that the world is going to unpause. And yes, it will, my my lovely f- people at home. Um, and yes, it will. That's a promise? Is that a promise? Yes, it fucking will, Raja. I'm oh, looking right God. at you. Yes, it fucking will. And I'm going to join your dance company. I'm a dancer. Not yeah. really. I'm a, I'm a mover who marks, but it looks good. It's a dance theater and media company, so there is a place for everybody. Fan-fucking-tastic. <laughs> You're going to love me. I'm going to be your Norma Desmond. It's going to be great. Um, so tell me, uh, what brought you down to the Woolly Mammoth? What drew you down there? Um, well, I mean, it's kind of like the strange loopiness of it all because the director who I was initially working on this musical with way back in the day was Maria Guayanes, who is the artistic director of the Woolly Mammoth. And so he, like at the, that point in development, she had gotten like very busy because she had gotten promoted at, while she was working at the public theater. And so I ended up having to part ways to her, but like, it feels really Right. Exactly. And so like <laughs> it, uh, but it, so it feels really nice that like someone who had a really early hand in, in helping develop the piece is then able to give us like this sort of next step with the piece to continue to support it and to continue tinkering with things that we were doing during the process. And that just sort of came somewhat naturally, you know, as our, like our producer, the wonderful Barbara Whitman. Barbara Whitman. I love you, Barbara Whitman. We love Um, her. You know, you know, she was like, you know, wanting to help us continue to do, oh yes, we light a candle. We will light a candle. But I love her. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, she, you know, has <laughs> ambitions for the piece and like, and going to the Woolly Mammoth seemed like a great next step in sort of, uh, Furthering those ambitions. I think it's the perfect next yeah. step. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a really beautiful space. I'm excited to go there. It also gives me a lot of hope. Um, me you know, too. There, there are things that I am looking forward to. And one of those things is traveling. One of those things is theater. And one of those things is seeing my community and my friends. And, uh, and family. Some of them. Just kidding. <laughs> Keep me very in your wheels. Um, very few. Just kidding. Keep me in your wheels. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, but uh, I cannot fucking wait to go down to DC and to go see the show and experience it and to see what you've done with it, to see what stayed the same, to see how it's grown, to see how you've all developed a new loop for it. And, um, you know, I, I, one thing that I love about your show is that 
you know, I don't come from the school of like the show is frozen. I mean, yes, I get it. The show is fucking frozen. That's great. But I love, um, I love watching art evolve. I love, I think everybody's character can, should keep growing until they leave the show or until the show, you know, closes. And, um, your show is the perfect example of how that happens. And, um, you really, the three of you remind me of why the fuck I moved out of my cow town to come to New York. You remind me that I want to be better as an artist and why I'm always going to take classes and I'm always going to challenge myself. And also to not take it all so fucking seriously. <laughs> You know, it's important to laugh. Oh, and yeah. um, and as we're learning in times like these, laughing matters a lot. Um, so I thank you all so much for coming on my, my silly show. Um, what you've done for me and what you've done for so many is um, truly spectacular. And I will always have an enormous place in my heart for all of you. Whenever I see you on Ninth Avenue... I might geek out a little bit and, or if I ever have to audition for you, I might be that boo because I'm a weird auditioner. I'll be like, Oh my fucking God. Hey, remember this? And then like fucking Tara Rubin will be like, no, we didn't call him in. And then he'll be like, it's fine, Tara. It's fucking fine. Don't worry. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I can't wait for that. Me fucking I literally too. can't wait. It's going to fucking happen. I like will live for your 16 bars. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ho, ha, ho, ho, sail away, sail away, sail away, ho, ha, ho, ho, sail away. You're hired. You're totally like hired. Can I come back and dance? Oh, please. Raja, you froze. What did you say, babe? I said, can you do a pirouette? I can do one, maybe one and a half, but not two. <laughs> I'm a that's what our entire, that's what that's our entire cast two. said on the first day of rehearsal, that I can't do two pirouettes. No, and not Raja eight got, a week. Raja got two double, got double turns out of all of them. He did. Well, <laughs> Raja's a monster. I'm like, you want I'm me to do that? But they can do them. They can do them. They can, but I live in Queens. I have to go to Queens eight times a day, too. You want me to do what? My dressing room's on the 16th fucking floor. Um, thank you all for just bringing, bringing me a lot of, um, a lot of love and a lot of hope. And, um, the world, a lot of love and a lot of hope. And uh, you make art. You are the new Sondheims. You are the new Harold Prince and um, everyone. You you are the new creators. And um, it just makes me fall in love with theater all over again. And friends at home, if you have not downloaded A Strange Loop, I will buy it for you. What the fuck? I will buy it for you. Jesus Christ. It's not that hard. 
just fucking email the show. Um, it's that good. Um, and um, also, we talk a lot about what we're doing and what we're creating and blah, blah, blah. If you wake up and you feel sad, you're nailing it. If you wake up and you feel like writing something, you're nailing it. If you wake up and you want to work out, you're nailing it. If you wake up and you want to fucking eat a fucking pint of ice cream and cry into a cat, you're nailing it. <laughs> Amen. So, yes, ma'am. This yes, is all ma'am. this is all crazy and um but you're nailing it. So remember that. Thank you for tuning in to Josh Swallow's Broadway Live. Thank you Raja, thank you Stephen, thank you Michael. Thank you to your cast. Thank you, Barbara Whitman. Thank you to uh, Playwrights Horizon. And thank you... 873. Yes. Rona Uh, Siddiqui, our music director. Charlie Rose, Rose, our orchestrator. Montana Levy Blanco, our costumer. Keep going. Cookie Jordan, our hair and makeup person. Keep going. Uh, Aaron Albrecht, our stage manager. Uh, John Moore, our assistant stage manager. Carolina Quino, the ticketing goddess, who like yes. dealt with all the annoying ass ticket requests. <laughs> um, Carol Fishman, the, ge- the general manager. Jenna Reddy, the assistant general manager. Tim Sanford, the artistic director. I know I'm forgetting people. Elijah Caldwell, who is our standby yes. for Usher, who like learned the part in like li- like literally like two minutes you know um so many people to thank for for everything the show has been and 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 will be indeed indeed fuck i love that you're making me cry and thanks to all the ushers and all the security people and all the janitors and all that too fucking thank all you everyone every single one um and thank you for fucking loving shows and loving Broadway and um, loving regional theaters. Check out your fucking regional theaters. Check out Woolly Mammoth. Check out Arden and Philly. Check out all of them. There's a lot of great stuff happening online just for you. And most of it is pretty free, too. Um, but if you can, donate. <laughs> um, all right. Much love to you three and much thank love you to you all. all. We'll see you after uh, Memorial Day. All right. Bye! Bye! Josh Swallows Broadway is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and myself, Josh Lehman, with associate producer Elizabeth Wheelis. And special thanks to our Patreon producers, David Rimmer and Josh Harris. You can join them. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Broadway. Leave a rating. Leave a review. I read them. This is how I continue living. Help me live. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for keeping Broadway alive. And swallow you soon. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. 
Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.